Colter Nuanas from ESPN Montana here at the M Store. Proud to present our Nuanas Now podcast each and every day, available on all of your various podcast hosting platforms. One of their awesome partners, a guy that really is uh, helping spread the word about the M Store, is Grizz All American Junior Bergen. What's up, man? Thanks for coming in. Yes, thank you for having me. First of all, you got a cool t shirt. What's it like being on a t shirt? You're a kid from Billings, Montana, so that, yeah. might, that must be kind of surreal knowing there's a t shirt of you at the M Store. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I went to a couple basketball games back home. And uh, I saw some kids running around with I their love shirt it. on. And it was really surreal. It was a cool moment, cool experience for sure. Uh, that's so cool. You guys do such a good job of embracing how much the community loves you. But when people are looking up to you like they do, I mean, they think, I mean, you're the man right now. for <laughs> <laughs> the University of Montana. What's yeah. that like being a Montana kid? Um, it's different for sure. Um, you know, growing up, you kind of look up to guys like who are in the NFL totally. and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it's just great to have a, a positive influence on these kids' lives. Um, you know, I just wanted to make sure... Uh, I set the example and lead by example and give them someone to look up to. Go check out the M Store. They're located there at the corner of Higgins and Broadway here in the city of Missoula. And you can also visit anytime online, MontanaMStore.com. They have all the latest and greatest, a whole bunch of original Grizz gear. And, of course, they have Junior Bergen T-shirts. Junior Bergen, proud partner with the M Store, as well as us here at uh, ESPN Montana. Thanks for swinging by, man. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. The M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time. Gus, the first meal I had outside my own home following the quarantine was at your house. Brought over a bunch of meat. I brought over my Alpine Touch, but I didn't bring it home. I forgot it at your place. Our first meal was made better, as every meal is made better by Alpine Touch on basically everything. I put Alpine Touch hickory smoke on my cereal in the morning. <laughs> It's, it's reached that level of usage. And the fact that you left it, I knew that you left it at my house. You brought it over, left it at my house. And like a real jerk, I said nothing to you because I was like, well, that's mine, dude. That's it. You came to my house. You left it in my house. And I'm eating all of it. We've gotten so far into this Alpine Touch obsession, I think, that I just think we might be able to host a podcast about all the things that you can make with Alpine Touch. It would be short. Everything. (laughs) They have a bunch of different varieties of spices, as we know. Uh, They are local from the state of Montana. Shoto, shout out, original Alpine Touch. And it's great when it's not just local, when it's not just supporting the state of Montana, but when it's also actually the best thing that you can get. I mean, when it comes to spices, uh, it's second to none. So, boys and girls, use your Alpine Touch. Colter, tell them where they can get it. AlpineTouch.com, no matter where you're at in the entire world listening to this, if you are in the United States of America and you make an order of over $50, which, you know, if you get yourself the Grand Slam and maybe some barbecue sauce, some sunflower seeds, you're there. Free shipping anywhere in the United States of America right now. Uh, so go to AlpineTouch.com. They're rolling out all their summer Big Mountain flavor packages. The sunflower shoots are really, really good as well. Alpine Touch has got you covered. Alpine Touch, Montana's special spice. Now from the Kurtz Polaris studio, here is Ryan Tutel and Colter Nuanez. Got to get well. The getting's good, Coulter. You know what I mean. Got to watch the baseball while it's there to be watched because, well, not exactly sure how it's going to go. But today's results weren't ideal for the ongoing of sports in the country. It's two tell Nuanas, one or two nine ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television. How D? Great to be with you on a Monday afternoon. 
Welcome to 5 o'clock and the end of your workday. Right in the middle of ours, Coulter and I, grinding as usual for the betterment of your lives. That's what we are, selfless, here for you. Uh, if you, you have would, no idea, Toodle. Yeah, I don't. Glad to see you got a bracket and a TV up in this place, by the way. It has been the most challenging part of building a sportsless sports studio. That's kind of a indictment, seems like. But congratulations. Why is it so hard? That's that's exactly it. That's if, the question. Uh, in any case, if you missed anything in the first hour, check it out on the podcast. The Two Tell Nuanas podcast is always available, and it's there whenever you would like it on all of your favorite podcasting platforms. The podcast, rate, review, subscribe. Appreciate that. It is there thanks to our friends at Blackfoot and Alpine Touch. Uh, 361-3688, the phone number. All guests join us via the Rankish Brothers RV phone line. You can also text it in. Does that mean Rankish Brothers getting a two-for-one? You get the phone line and the text line because it's the same line? I think so. 2406-361-3688. And you can listen live on the stream anytime you would like to. 1029ESPN.com, your favorite device, computer, etc. The stream is available thanks to Opportunity Bank. Right there if you're watching us on the TV. Opportunity Bank, your local bank, your opportunity. Coulter, just quickly, the the national sports talk radio, ESPN, everybody else has been, you know, going and talking about this and getting people, you know, on the record with this all day. So I don't know that I have a whole lot to add, but the Marlins... Uh, I think it was four players yesterday, seven more players today, or eight more players today, and then a couple of coaches all testing positive for COVID-19. They believe that this started with their trip to Atlanta, but they're just coming off of their series with the Philadelphia Phillies. Uh, The Phillies, therefore, their game tonight is postponed. The Marlins game tonight is postponed. I think that there's a lot of uh, uh, anxious uh, uh, waiting that is happening right now to find out if and where this particular outbreak stops. Has everybody been tested and identified that that was in contact and how does this work? And if not, where does that circle end? If it does. Um, and the other thing about this culture is we see a couple things. First of all, if you're on a team... <laughs> You are close to one another for long periods of time. Yep. That is it. That is all. I don't like there's just not I, I don't I don't see how you can be playing a team sport, any team sport, and have something like the social distancing necessary to stop this particular virus and the ease with which it is transmitted from from doing exactly what it's done to the Miami Marlins. And while they're still playing baseball at the Major League Baseball level, these two games are postponed for the time being. Who knows what canceled is. And if you're talking about, well, now everybody's got to have a two-week thing, talking about 11, 12 players on the Miami Marlins who are not going to be available for what's going to turn out to be about a fifth of the season. And I, I, I don't know... This becomes very problematic, you know, and this is the first example. And we are, hello, three days in, man. Like, it didn't make it a week without this exploding like this. You're talking about 
half of the team is not available, and I know they have like a 60-person pool that they can pull from and bring stuff up. What they do with the Marlins specifically and with this case specifically, I don't know. Rob Manfred has yet to make a statement. He's being condemned for that. Okay, that's all well and good. What I'm sort of more considerate of in this instance is what does this if this already happened like this three days in where are we at with sports in general like what 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 happens when the bubble gets infected yeah i mean here's the the tipping point here is this first of all you mentioned 13 officially this is from jeff passan uh espn's mlb insider said the total number of affected players infected players is 11 of the 33 that have been traveling with the team including two coach and then two other coaches so 13 includes two coaches the Marlins, Orioles, and Yankees-Phillies games tonight have been postponed for now. Uh, the rest may be played, but we will see. The Baltimore Orioles are returning home from Miami tonight, sources tell ESPN, ensuring Tuesday's game will not be played at Marlins Park either. At some point, the healthy Marlins are expected to travel to Baltimore, where they were scheduled to play on Wednesday and Thursday. This tipping point, uh, there's a lot of scuttle. That uh, is, This is why, if you have the resources to test daily and you can turn those tests around daily that's the key because there's a lot of scuttle that a couple of these marlins guys were feeling under the weather and then still played they were around and that's why you have this whole outbreak so to me this whole thing hinges on the phillies tests Mm. the orioles tests because it's bad enough to have an outbreak within one team but now you can quarantine said team or you can quarantine said infected players and replace them with taxi squad players for however long that might take but if it's spread to another organization and then now all of a sudden you have the the prime example of how this can spread and how it can deter competition. It is obvious and it goes without saying and yet I think it's important to say it so I guess it doesn't go without saying. The first and foremost thing is the health of, of, of these individual guys. Like there's 11 players and two coaches that now have a virus and, and that has to be a very... Uh, disconcerting thing to, to to realize and not knowing what effect it's going to have on you. Uh, obviously, you know, when you talk about athletes of a certain age group, we haven't seen um, super dire outcomes from this. Mm-hmm. And yet it's it this is this is a nasty disease and and it is a scary one. And especially then you talk about families, people that they you know can't be around or maybe were around. I don't know all that. The other thing, though, is I'm trying to figure out, Coulter, if this affects the integrity of the sport. You got one-third of a baseball team three games in that can't play. Now, I realize the Marlins weren't on everybody's front page to go win a thing. It does impact it, though. What you're saying is right. if you're talking about a you're removing 11 major leaders from the team. Exactly. And now you got taxi squad guys coming up and playing, and now the Marlins go 1-9 and nine over their next exactly. 10? What am I supposed to think about this? You know, I think that's... Yeah, I mean, even if they were a 25-45 and 45 team or whatever, uh, is that math right? 25-35 and 35 team or whatever? Right, right. A 20-40 and 40 team? Well, then if they turn into a 10-50 and 50 team because of this, it's like, bad. You know, a couple of clubs got three or four more wins than that what they maybe other would have otherwise might have had. So you know, I think again, I'm not going to sit here and say that this is super high on the list of important things, but I think it's worth noting. And by the way, if this were if something like this were to happen to the Yankees or the Dodgers, you better believe that 
that the asterisks will get darker and darker and darker as we go if all of a sudden, you know, one or both of those teams aren't in the World sure. Series because a, a significant number of their big-time players are not available. Yeah, it's going to be really bad, too, if... Uh, I mean, you don't want to weigh infection impact based on athletic prowess, but it's just the fact of the matter when it comes to pro sports. Like, if Mookie Betts gets sick, that's really bad. No doubt. Uh, Tutel Nuwana's 1029 ESPN Radio. Okay, let's do this. That was our short segment. I'm going to give you the time that you deserve, that you need, that you require to talk about the big sky at the level, at the depth of which you are capable of so doing. Preseason polls and All-Americans right after this. Coulter, during this time where we got to be a little bit socially distanced, it's nice to know we can get out on the links and play a little bit of golf. And nobody better than Western Birch to get your round started right. That's right, golf's been definitely one of my favorite pastimes during quarantine times. It has recently landed my new Western Birch customized golf tees. Go check out Western Birch golf tees at westernbirch.com. These classy golf tees are made of 100% white birch hardwood and printed with high-quality color right here in the United States. A company founded right here in Montana. These durable wood golf tees, perfect way for you to market your business. Just think, anytime you break a tee, your brand is sitting on the tee box forever. You can hand them out to your clients, your buddies, your golf partners, whoever. Great way to earn top-of-mind awareness while also playing a sport we all love. Again, you can check out all the cool designs online at westernbirch.com. Add your logo on a 1,000 of any of their tees for $150 delivered to your door. Give them to clients, friends, watch them get impressed by the quality of the look of a simple golf tee and by your creativity. Give Western Birch the opportunity to show you what they are talking about. Email and ask for Chad at info at westernbirch.com, info at westernbirch.com, or follow on Instagram and Facebook, westernbirch.com. Just like that, the San Diego Padres are on the top of the NL Central. 6-2 victory over the Arizona Since when are they in the Central? Oh, West. Excuse me. Good question. Yeah. <laughs> San Diego is pretty kind of like Midwest. I'm in Midwestern town, right? Um, they uh, beat Arizona 6-2. They are now 3-1 on the season. Consequently, Arizona is now 1-3 on the season. They are a half game ahead of Colorado, and they are a full game ahead of San Francisco and the Los Angeles Dodgers, who are both 2-2. Two and two. I mean, the Indianapolis Colts are in the AFC South, so... I mean, the Memphis Grizzlies are in the West. That was just a mere... mere uh, yeah, I know. I just I was just making sure I didn't... I mean, San Diego Padres could be in the... Uh, in the central, I wouldn't know. Do you want to know? <laughs> the, and this has gone so far under the radar, and it's 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 so frustrating to me because this is an absolute travesty in every way. It is the uh, complete uh, uh, um, neutering of baseball, and they have taken away or added, however you want to talk about it, the designated hitter in the National League. It is it is a disgusting and awful and uh, 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 just complete fail on the part of everybody involved in this. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. And there will be an asterisk from here on out forever for whoever wins anything in baseball because of that rule change. <laughs> Coulter, let's talk about 
Let's talk about what you were not here for a little yeah. bit. Uh, I spent a great f- job by you. Quite a bit of time on this on Thursday and Friday, the Big Sky Conference media days. But first of all, the polls came out, the media and the coaches' polls. They were identical, one through five, maybe even one through six. Uh, identical one through five. Okay, one through five. Actually, no, one through six. You're right. The, you are correct. And the middle. I mean, the, it's only those three teams, like seven through nine, that were any different, and that's not all that impactful. But the point is, it's Weber State, it's Montana, it's Montana State, one, two, three in both polls. Were you surprised by that? I, I was. I was not surprised. I was not surprised that Weber was picked to win it. Although that is their first time in school history, I was. I was surprised it was the first time Weber has ever been picked to win the league. Wow. Yeah. As we know, Weber's been solid, too good, and they've been great the last three years under Jay Hill. But still, I mean, Weber has pretty decent tradition, mm-hmm. but Jay Hill continues to move the needle in terms of the prestige of their program. I mean, no he doubt. is the greatest coach that they've ever had. They have had greater success under him just in the last handful of years than they've ever had as a program. Right. I mean, they only made the playoffs, I think, three times in school history before Jay Hill. Now they've made it three times in a row, including two straight quarterfinal runs and then last year's run to the Final Four. So he's got it rolling. I think I, I Weber State has not been picked to win the league the last two years, even though I have picked them to win the league each of the last two years. I think everybody in the league is starting to come around. I mean, it was a pretty overwhelming vote. Seven of the coaches uh, out of the 13 that voted picked Weber State, so just over one half. Yeah. 28. 28 right? of yeah. the, uh, let's see, 36, 44, 47 media members. Yeah, well over half. Well over half. Um, I, I wasn't surprised, although you voted Montana State number one and I voted Montana State number two, I was not surprised that Montana was over Montana State. We've talked about all of the facets of that. I mean, Montana State has uh, has has had the upper hand in the rivalry. They've had the upper hand in terms of the momentum of the program. But I think so much of that caters to the respect that Bobby Houck has garnered, as well as the top-line talent that the Grizzlies have coming back. And we saw the all-conference team, Grizzlies, six guys on the all-conference team. Cats only get two. I thought there was a couple of cat guys that get snubbed. We'll get into that in a minute. But I do think that everybody that the Grizz had was deserved, and I do think the Grizz deserved more than the Cats. And so if you look at it from top-level talent, which is what most of the media members are going to look at it through, yeah. then I, I, I totally see it. Uh, I thought the one, two, three, Weaver State, Montana, Montana State, I think that, I mean, honestly, depending on who wins the Montana State-Weaver State game, depending on who wins the Cat-Grizz game, and depending on who wins the you know Montana-Portland State game, I mean, there's, a just, there's about a handful of games, depending on how they go, those are still going to be the three teams that are, I think, inside track towards playoff berths. So I think I think the top three was was right as it is. And as we've discussed on the show, ironically, the conference title has been a little bit a little bit uh, downgraded in the Big Sky just because it used to be you had to win the league or come just right there to winning the league to make the playoffs. Now fourth place is good enough to go to the playoffs in the Big Sky Conference. Yeah. Um no doubt. It, yet, being a Big Sky Conference champion, I think, has gotten harder in a lot of ways. It has. And, and if you win the league, you are certainly proud of that. Yeah, you would. I mean, let's put it like this. If you win the league, you are a seeded tournament team who's yes. hosting a game in the second round of the no playoffs. Question. It's a big deal. So uh, it's it's significant for sure. Uh, if you if you are winning your conference, your Big Sky Conference, you are uh, a top Five team in the nation. When the, it's, you know, at, at the end of the, at the end of regulation, as it were. The next, four, the next, uh, the middle tier though, the the four through eight. Uh, I, I didn't see it like it was voted whatsoever. Easter Washington was voted fourth in both polls. I, I'm not there. I, I know Eric Berry is a tremendous player. I you think, and I both had him at six, right? Yeah, Wasn't it six? Yeah. yeah. I think, I think that 
I'm so interested to see what Eastern has to reload because they've always mm-hmm. been a team, the last 10 years at least, that has been able to reload. But even with, I mean, the, Eric Berry is a great player at quarterback. I'm not sure where they where they turn for elite talent defensively. I think they have some good players, but I don't know how they... you got to have elite players. Even though Eastern Washington has not hung its hat on its defense, it still had elite players. I mean, JT Tauli, the big nose tackle, he was the defensive player of the year in the league two years ago. Even though they were scoring 50 points a game when Barrier took over for Gage Guru and Guru went down, they went all the way to the national championship game. But they still had elite talent right. at all three levels of their defense. They still do have Chris Ojo, who I think is an elite talent in this league if he can stay healthy. I thought he was amazing his sophomore year. He was hurt most of last year. But I still I have a lot of question marks for Eastern on their defense. I have a lot of question marks at their skill players. I mean, Tameric Pierce has, is a talented guy at running back, but he's been hurt all, for a lot of his career. Can he stay healthy? Who you know, Barry, teams throughout the league kind of figured it out. If you keep him in the pocket and you, you mitigate a lot of the run pass option stuff he can do, you mitigate a lot of the stuff he can do when he gets out on the edge. He's good, but he he's not he's not the the world beater that he was when he got rolling on that national championship run. I thought he was the most he looked like the most unstoppable player in the country. I mean, he had a straight cruising. So I get why Eastern gets a lot of hype because they do they have been the program of the last decade in the Big Sky. Certainly, they have a lot of advantages that other teams in the league do not have, especially when it comes to their recruiting base. And they have the guy who's the best player in the league offensively, at least according to the voters. Eric Berrier was the offensive player of the year. That's not who I voted for. Not surprised that he got, though. So I get why they're there. But I thought that Portland State deserved more love. Portland State came up, let's see, they were seventh in the media poll, and they were eighth in the coaches poll. I thought that was disrespectful. Yeah. I think Portland State has more talent than that. I think Portland State has a lot of talent, actually. They have I, the number two quarterback. In terms of proven guys, yeah. In, in in the conference. And, and Davis Alexander. And for that not to count, I mean, I feel like Eastern Washington gets a lot of run, and deservedly so, because of Eric Berry. I mean, Eric Berry is a phenomenal player. I had him as the as the offensive player of the year uh, preseason. And, and he can cover a myriad of ills, in my opinion. He can. Uh, but they got to let him. They got to let him. I, I, he hardly ran last year, but, that, and that was an issue. But I, I'm just saying, like, you know, the, the team itself is buoyed because of who they have there. And for totally. some reason, Davis Alexander just has not landed on that radar at that same way. Now, Davis Alexander is not as good a player as Eric Berrier. Okay? No. He is not. But, but he's very good. He is outstanding, and especially given the complete overturn of all of these quarterbacks for graduation, transfer, et cetera, that we've had in the Big Sky Conference, all of a sudden Portland State is in a great position. And by the way, he ain't the only one. They got... They got uh, one of three guys to have a unanimous pick to the all-conference team uh, playing defense, and, and Anthony Adams. nobody else did. Right? You no, know? I mean, it, 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 you know, Mitch brought, and I forget who the oh the uh, the the offensive lineman from Weber State. Those were the three. Ty, Ty Whitworth, yeah, yeah, Ty Whitworth and and Adams. They're the only three guys who were unanimous selections. You, you, to the you team. mean Lewis Kidd? Mitch Brock graduated. Must be but oh, Lewis Kidd. I'm Lewis Kidd. I apologize. Yep, yep. Yes, yes, Lewis Kidd. Reg- reg- from Montana State. So, but regardless, here's the other thing: is the 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 narrative was a cutting edge one when it first emerged, and I used to uh, we used to always ask coaches about it, and we still do now. But now it's such a well known thing in the league that it's become almost cliche. But the diversity of styles that the teams play in the league, at first it was kind of like, wow, this is kind of crazy. How are you going to prepare? And because of the unbalanced schedule, you know, when Cal Poly first joined the league, you might not play Cal Poly until they've been in the league for three years. Now that we've had the league be expanded now for eight years, everybody's played everybody. 
it do, it is few and far between sometimes, but everybody's played everybody. But everybody always gave Cal Poly love just because of the anomalous style that they play, running the triple option, etc. That's not the case at Cal Poly anymore. But then to me, the team that moves, I think that there's two teams that move into that, that realm of being defined as the team that, oh man, not only do they have talented players, but man, this is going to be a headache for us to prepare for in the scope of a season. And it's Portland State and it's Montana, especially for Montana on defense. Montana runs a, a pretty crazy, aggressive, smoke and mirrors, high pressure defense that has, you know, it's it's a pre-snap alignment is pretty rare with what they do. Always playing three safeties on the field. They have a lot of position versatility. They put a lot of weight on a lot on several different key positions. But Portland State, they're anomalous on both sides. Davis Alexander has helped them diversify their their passing element of their game, but they still run a lot of like K-gun stuff. Bruce Barton was with Nigel Burton for years, so he's got a lot of the pistol influence that Nigel Burton brought from him from Nevada. What the Chris Alt days, I mean Chris Alt made a living. He's head coach in Nevada for 38 years. Well, Nigel Burton was with him forever. Barnum took a lot of that influence. They ran the straight pistol uh, late 2000s, early 2010s as well. So they still have all that. Bruce Barnum has taken a lot of stuff. It's kind of almost out of the San Francisco 49ers book too. They run a four-headed monster at running back always. They do graduate Sergio Hoffman. He went to the NFL. He's won 10 guys from the big sky to get an NFL shot. He's with the Arizona Cardinals. But they still have a a variety of other running backs, and they can hit you with the scat back and the speed guy and the power guy and just over and over and over. And then you add in the running element of Davis Alexander and the fact that they throw the ball to the tight end more than almost anybody in the league. Portland State, particularly hard to prepare for on offense, but it's even harder on defense because they run that flex defense. Anthony Adams has gotten all this national love, deservedly so. But Bruce Barnum said in the media day interviews, they're moving him back to corner. I think it's a good move for their defense, but he's also not going to produce like he did. He was playing that rover spot in the flex, which makes it so that he's the guy that's breaking on the ball every time. That's how you get 19 pass breakups and lead the country in pass breakups. That's how you get five picks. You don't have a lot of extra responsibility. You can just go for the ball. It'll be interesting to see how he does with the move, but the flex, as we saw when Portland State beat Montana and Missoula two years ago, the flex, if they get ahead of you and stay ahead of you, it can be really perplexing for even the, the most prolific of offenses. At Blackfoot Communications, we're experts at keeping your business technology up and running. From networks and security to communications and 24-7 support, we evaluate your current state infrastructure and deploy the right technology solution for your future. Whether your company is just starting out or is looking to take the next step, Blackfoot is here to help. Call 866-541-5000 or visit goblackfoot.com slash business to learn more. It's 2 Tell Nuanas, 1029 ESPN Radio. Now that Coulter is in the studio and revisit a little bit of what happened at the end of last week and the Big Sky Conference media days and the uh, all-conference teams now that were there, like, get his reaction to it. Coulter, in those all-conference teams, eight Weber State Wildcats, six Montana Grizzlies, just two Montana State Bobcats, both on the offensive line for the Cats. Uh, I know that there's a couple guys. I stumped for your boy, Mondre Williams, on Friday. Yep, yep. Okay. I know that that was uh, something that, that – there's a couple positions. I talked about this both at that defensive end spot and at running back, where there's yep. a lot of really good players, and yep. if you're going to pick this positionally, what you are doing, yep. some deserving guys are not going to be on this list. But go ahead and take it away. Well, I mean, my – everybody listening to this show knows that I, I'm a, a football nerd and that, that – What? That, that – that, the diversity of the position that you play on the football field, there's a lot more than just the standard positions. 
The difference no between the difference between the the position that Amandre Williams plays compared to the position that says that say Jacob Morgoring plays at Montana, you could say broadly to the common football fan that they both play defensive end. They don't. It's not the same position at all. Yeah. So I have always said that I wish the big guy has done a good job of adding this all-purpose player on offense, right? Yeah. That's what Troy Anderson got first team all league at a couple years ago, deservedly so. He do, he was playing quarterback, but he's not a quarterback. So you make him the all-purpose guy because yeah. he. He's doing it in an unorthodox way, but he's certainly an all-league player. He's not even close to the best quarterback in the league, but he's absolutely one of the best offensive weapons in the league. Got to give him something, right? It's been my point of contention that on defense, they should have two different positions on the interior defensive line. They should vote for tackles and noses because it's a different position. The guy who plays three-tech at Weber is going to have way more production when you're just looking at the stat sheet than the guy who plays nose tackle at Montana State. It's a different position. Yeah. But I think that the number one thing they need to do is they need to delineate between ends, outside linebackers, and edge players. A guy that plays on the edge is a definitive that's a definitive position. Like think of Khalil Mack and JJ Watt. NFL fans bo- think of both of those guys as defensive ends, but they're not even close to the same position. Totally. Khalil Mack plays on the edge, standing up a lot. He's a pass rush specialist while also being able to guard the flat. JJ's that's where in the interior. That's where guys like yeah. Amandre Williams get washed up because he's playing buck end, right? A guy like um, O'Kay Nellis from Idaho the other two years ago who plays yeah. for the Saints now. He's an edge. He's not a DN. He's not an outside linebacker. He's an edge. That's what he is. Should, they should just add that position for the voting because I think a lot of times, the, specifically the guys who are that DN outside linebacker hybrid, they get washed over because there's only two DN spots and two outside linebacker spots to vote for. Nick Eaton from UC Davis is, as far as definitive true outside linebacker, like a will linebacker, he's the best guy in the league. Christian Ellis, Kate Nelson's little brother from Idaho. He plays true outside linebacker. Okay, those are, those guys both deserve it. You wouldn't vote Amanda Williams over either of those guys. But like George Tarlis at Weber State, he plays a different position than Amanda Williams, but they're getting voted on for, by the same thing. So yeah. it's not as if I think Amanda Williams got snubbed as much as I think that what he actually brings to the MSU defense was just not taken into consideration. It's just different well, spots. And how much is it this, too? A lot of this like it or not, the way that it gets done for maybe guys who aren't as football nerdsy as you. Well, right. Productivity from a season ago overlaid sure. on sure. to your coming back. And Amandre Williams had a fine season. I mean, I agree. He had 17 tackles for loss. Great season. His productivity is going to be so much greater exactly. in terms of what it's going to be this year because of the guys who did graduate. That's right. And, Bryce, Turk's not t- be- Bryce Turk's not stealing sacks right, from him anymore. Right, Derek right. Marks Derek isn't Marks, stealing exactly. sacks from him. So, yeah. uh, you know, it's it. You know how how far into the you know the depth of, of taking a look at this, not just who's coming back that was good a year ago, but also what productivity has walked out the door that is going to be replaced presumably by some of these guys. And there's going to be a lot of guys. That's why that's why these 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 are fine. It's a little feather in the cap. It's nice. It's fun to do in in July, but at the end of the day, there's going to be a whole bunch of guys that. The, that we haven't heard of as fans, they're going to be all conference players for at sure. the end of the year because sure. they showed up and they were the next guy in and they uh, and they were ready to go. No question. I thought on offense, I thought everything was was good. The only point of contention I had was at the all-purpose player. I thought that it's funny. It was ironic that B.J. Perkinson from Sac State got it because Elijah Dotson is the best all-purpose player in the league on his in, own team, who's also on Sac State. Exactly yeah. in Troy Taylor's offense, Elijah Dotson does not. He he's a 
he's almost like a slot receiver half the time. I mean, he led their team in catches. He had 70-plus catches last year. He had more receiving yards than he even did rushing yards. Yeah. So I thought he was the definition of the all-purpose player. If that would have been how it would have been voted, then he would have had an extra spot at running back, which could have been then filled by Alonzo Gilliam, uh, UC Davis, or Isaiah Fonse at Montana State. I thought that was the most stacked position because Josh Davis is an All-American. Elijah Dotson's an All-American. Both those guys deserve it. But so does Alonzo Gilliam and so does Isaiah Fonse. So I thought there was a log jam at, at running back. Other than that, I thought on offense, it was all good. My points of contention on defense is just the fact that I think there should be an edge spot that we vote on. Mm-hmm. I also think there should be a difference between the tackles because a guy like Bryce Rogers from UC Davis, he plays three-tech just like Jared Strice at Weber State. They both had 10-plus tackles for loss last year. Okay, so I get why media members look at that and vote for him. Chase Benson last year had 57 tackles and five sacks as a nose. Those don't compare to numbers of the three-tech, but it's a different position. Mm -hmm. To have more than – most nose guards get, what, two or three tackles a game? (laughs) Like, for Benson to be fourth on the team in tackles, that's amazing production. But that's not even his job either, though. His job is to just – Fill it up. Destroy the middle. I think he just – I mean, Jeff Choate said it. He said, the the number one guy on my team that I would lobby for that I think is the best player at his position in the league – is Chase Benson. Yeah. And so I thought that that was one. And then the other thing I, I thought was interesting is I thought that they made it easier for people to vote for the top defensive backs in the league by not delineating between corner and safety. Mm-hmm. But I also think that that demeans certain guys as well because it was five DB positions, right? But Anthony Adams plays this rover position in a flex defense, which is distinctly different than what Deron Bland at Sac State plays. He plays man corner. So does Eddie Heckard at Weber State. Those are also both definitively different than what's essentially like a third linebacker who also plays safety in Robbie Houck, right? I mean, those guys are doing a lot of different things. And then because of that, and I I thought all five guys that were voted deserved it. But then there's Munchie Filer over here at Montana State, who's a great cover corner. There's some guys at Montana that I think could make some noise at corner, too. I don't think that you could vote for those guys because they're transfers. But I do think the guys like Justin Ford, uh, Omar Hicks Onu, you know, Trajan Cotton, I think all three of those guys should be among the most talented corners in the league, but they're not getting any votes, but one, because they're transfers, but two, because you're getting some of these DB spots eaten up by guys who, well, I, again, I think it's it's fine that they did this. I just think that if you're going to have a sort of a more broad position, you should open up some more slots, too, so you can have multiple corners, multiple safeties on this team. Stutel Nuanas, 102.9 ESPN Radio. Speaking of safeties, the Seahawks got a good one. Maybe a great one. Jamal Adams goes to the Seattle Seahawks. Was this move worth it? Why or why not for Seattle? We'll tell you next. At Blackfoot Communications, we're experts at keeping your business technology up and running. From networks and security to communications and 24-7 support, we evaluate your current state infrastructure and deploy the right technology solution for your future. Whether your company is just starting out or is looking to take the next step, Blackfoot is here to help. Call 866-541-5000 or visit goblackfoot.com slash business to learn more. Hey, boys and girls, it's Tutel and Nuanas, 102.9 ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television. Outstanding to be with you on a Monday afternoon, rolling downhill to the end of the day. Man, it just flies with you sitting over there. You are a beautiful man, and it makes me happy to look at you. 
Um, if you missed anything in the show today, Coulter's first show back from a couple of days out and about, you go check it out on the podcast. The Two Tell Nuanas podcast is available all the time, and it is available wherever you get your podcast, all the podcasting platforms. It is there thanks to our friends at Blackfoot and Alpine Touch. Uh, Coulter Adams is a Jamal Adams, a safety who was drafted, I believe, number six overall. By I think it was even higher than that. I think it was eight, maybe even number four. Okay. By the New York Jets. All pro safety. Okay. If you're keeping track at home, boys and girls. That's yeah, you're right. Number six. You're correct. Okay. Number six. Uh, better than pro bowler. All pro. And he is, uh, well, he went down the list. He started with the owner, then he went to the GM, then he went to the coach and said they're all terrible and I want nothing to do with them and you got to get me out of here. He was traded ultimately to the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, We talked with our friend Mike Dugar a week ago about this very possibility. Seattle, one of the teams that, that Jamal Adams had visited, and uh, general manager John Schneider has a history of going after some big gets in free agency. Jadavion Clowney, Percy Harvin, uh, among others, over his tenure there. And some of them have worked out. In fact, most of them have worked out in one way or another. Um, obviously, it was the, 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 the Percy Harvin trade is certainly not what won them the Super Bowl, but he was inf- inf- influential in that game mm-hmm. uh, to kick off return for a touchdown coming out of halftime, among other things. That said, what Seattle has built... When Seattle has been great, and they've been great for about two and a half or three seasons under Pete Carroll and John Schneider. They've been good the whole run, with the exception of the first year, which was the rebuild, but they've only been great for a couple of years, Mm -hmm. and that was with what? The Legion of Boom, right? Mm -hmm. The fully intact, and they were able to do it because of the elite play that they had at the safety position. They had two of them, and Cam Chancellor and Earl Thomas. Well, they got one, okay? And they have... Uh, a a couple now very good players, very high end players in their secondary in general. But they needed they needed a show stopping safety, and they got one. They also paid dearly for him, two first round draft picks and a third round draft pick. They are getting a fourth round draft pick, so they they basically move down around from the third to the fourth round, and then send two uh, third or first round picks to the New York Jets for Jamal Adams. I'm going to give you a couple of things about this, okay, Coulter? Yep. The first thing is I'll, I'll go, one, why the price was too high, and I'll go, one, why they, the price is a good price to pay. Sure. The good price to pay argument is this. One in the hand is worth two in the bush. One in the hand is maybe worth five in the bush when it comes to the NFL draft. Mm-hmm. If you have a guy who is an all-pro at a position like that that you value so highly in a Pete Carroll-run defensive scheme in there, there in Seattle, Seattle gets so much credit for what they do in the draft and especially late in the draft, and I think a lot of that is deserved. But as Mike Dugar pointed out, show me what they've done at the top of the draft. Exactly. Not enough. Right. Well, guess what? If you get Jamal Adams for a couple of first-round picks, whatever those other first-rounders, and by the way, usually middle to end of the first-round picks, call it number 20 overall, 23 overall, give me this all day long because you know what you have here in his prime, maybe the best safety in football, certainly one of the top two. 
Seattle's the average place, their average pick over the last 10 years. Yeah. Because like you said, they've only missed, they missed the playoffs one time since Pete Carroll took over. Excuse me. One time since they made the playoffs. Pete Carroll made the playoffs. When, when for the first time in his second year, they've only yeah. missed the playoffs one time since then. Right. Because he had back-to-back seven, nine years when he first came over from USC. But then since then, in the playoffs every year except for 2017. Yeah. And they were still 9-7 and seven that year. Yeah. So their average picking position in the draft is number 24. Yeah. So 20, yeah, exactly. And the other thing is that I, I always find it kind of funny because everybody in the league sort of abides by the same premise. But positional value to me, I think, is overblown in certain elements. Uh, I think it's pretty funny. Like paying the teams will absolutely pay the 17th best left tackle in the league before they pay the best safety or middle linebacker in the league. That's dumb. Pay the best guy in the league. Right. <laughs> I don't think he needs to be paid tackle money, but like you should right. still pay him what his market value yeah. is. Yeah. And you see guys that are getting let go all the time. That and are, they've done that because I, I'm not so sure Bobby Wagner isn't the highest paid linebacker in the is. league too. He so, is totally. Yeah. But the other thing that's a, such a funny trend to me is that. For whatever reason, basically picks number 22 through like 45 to 50 are always high-end potential guys that you take a flyer on rather than taking like the solid proven guy who maybe doesn't have as much upside. Like you always see this random tackle from Alabama A&M going before Jonathan Taylor. Right. You know, just pick the dude who's well the finals for the Heisman. He's good. (laughs) You know he's good. Right. And they often don't. And so that's why I agree with you, though. If all you're ever going to do is be picking from 25th through through 30th in the first round, and all you're ever going to do in those positions is take flyers on guys, then why not get the best safety in the league? So, uh, in and that is why I think this is a... First of all, getting the... And, and by the way, the, the safety is... It's a very critical... It's a critical position anywhere. I think it's even heightened in Seattle. Okay? I think it's a, a huge, hugely important position there. This is where you might say, though, that Seattle overpaid. This is a guy who formally requested a trade and was disgruntled enough to publicly go after owner, GM, coach, right down the line. And But do you blame him? Absolutely not. No, 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 no. I'm 100% with Jamal Adams on this. All I'm saying is this. If a guy wants out that bad and is that yeah. upset, you pay the king's ransom to get him. Right. And here's the thing. I realized the Jets had the rights to Jamal Adams for the next two seasons. Yep. So they were in the power position here in terms of, of that. But if a guy is going to be that disgruntled and be, you know, the, the proverbial cancer in the locker room and he's already on record with your head coach especially to go, this guy is not a leader for all of us. This guy does not treat us all equally. Not all of us are on the same page here. And when I say that... I understand what that's what I'm saying is just in terms of, of of some guys have access and other guys don't depending on what position they play or you know what what sort of you know veteran level they obtain whatever it is. If he's going to go out and say that kind of thing, that ruins a locker room man. that ruins a team. And he said that explicitly in my in my mind, not necessarily because it's not true. Maybe it is. It certainly is to him, but also to expedite what he wanted, which was out, 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 out of New York. If you have a guy like that, usually you can get a better deal than two first-rounders, even for a guy who's as good as Jamal Adams is. That's all I'm saying. I mean, you sit here and you go, look, you really want to keep this guy who's going to go in and badmouth your coach to his face who's already called you and you out at the front office level? 
he's leaving your team. We're going to give you a good deal here. Cut bait while you're ahead. Here's a first rounder and a third rounder or something along those lines. I thought the double first rounder was a little surprising just because of the circumstance there, not because of the player that you're getting. In terms of the way that teams in the NFL value and underrate and or overrate other positions, I'm a big running backs guy, so I think that that one is an interesting one because I totally understand the validity of not wanting to pay a guy franchise money just because he's going to wear out. doesn't matter who you are. You get worn out. I mean, even Adrian Peterson got worn out, so everybody's getting worn out. But I think that the number one spot, especially because we've seen this gigantic tipping point in the NFL. We've seen the influx of spread offensive concepts from the college game. Bam into the pro game on hyperdrive over the last couple of years. And it's why we've seen guys like Kyler Murray and Lamar Jackson go from um, maybe project risky type quarterbacks to awesome right away because of the concepts. But to then combat that, what do you need defensively to combat all these spread offense concepts? You need to have guys that can have position versatility. Having a guy like Jamal Adams, he shores, there's a guy that you don't have to take off the field. So now you can rotate a whole variety of other positions. You can have multiple guys get multiple reps at, at nickel now because you don't have to worry about the dude who's playing safety because Jamal Adams, he's not a strong safety. He's not a free safety. He can play both. In the scope of a scheme, he can hit to the post safety on the fly. He can communicate that. So now your other safety can be a lot more flexible too. That, there's, I just think that it's so overblown or maybe underrated, whatever one you want to say, I think that having a dude who can straight up play both safety positions on the fly is the most overrated thing for an, underrated thing for an NFL defense. If you have that dude, it lets you rotate at all the other spots at such a higher level, and he can he can guide everything. The, the cliche is that the, core, the middle linebackers are the quarterback of the defense. In this NFL now, though, in this world of offensive football at every level now, it's the safeties that have to make the calls initially. They got to decide what's the strong side. They got to decide who's playing post safety, and then you go from there. And having Jamal Adams, I think it gives you a huge advantage. I don't think the Seahawks overpaid whatsoever. I think there's only maybe three guys in the league that play his position that you would pay this price for. But I don't care that he went after the ownership in New York. If he was going after the ownership and the coaching in like Pittsburgh or you know Indianapolis. Or you know even Arizona or you know there's a, there's only a couple places where I'm going to give you a flyer. That's one of them. I think Adam Gase is one of the mo- craziest scenarios we've ever seen. How is that guy an NFL head coach? I don't understand. Yeah, and well, and Woody Johnson, you know, is proving that he ain't much to write home about as an owner either. And, and so I, I'm with you on this. My all I'm saying is this: if if Jamal Adams was content and happy in New York, right, and the Seahawks called out of the blue, sure. and said, "Hey, we would like to get this guy." Right. You would expect two first rounds and a third rounder sure. to be about the price that that would right. take. This scenario, however, was a guy who already did everything possible, both sort of formally and informally, on and off the record, to get out. And so that drives the price down because you say, hey, you don't... You don't want him. He doesn't want to be there. We know that this ain't going to work out, so you have to get rid of him. He's forcing your hand... So here's what we're going to give you for him and for the player you're underpaying. But you're absolutely right in terms of what they're getting. Yeah, it's it's a I think a very fair price to pay. And I think that I'm not saying it's not going to work out for New York, especially if you got to get rid of him, you get two first rounders. But yeah. this is 
this is a is a huge get for Seattle and is going to help their team tremendously. Last time they picked a good player in the first round, it was Bruce Irvin at number fifteen in the two thousand twelve draft. Since then, pretty pretty much nothing. First of all, they didn't have a first round pick twenty thirteen through twenty fifteen. Yeah. Then they picked Jermaine Effetti. Yeah, and Effetti, he he's, he's okay. Been, he's been good. It's okay. Yeah. Rashad Penny, he's fine. Yeah. He, but they're not all pros. Rashad Penny, uh, I think, is a was a, a, a turning out to be. A terrible first round pick. Now I know he's been injured. He's a he's a good player, but that that was a head scratcher to me. I mean, Pete Carroll during the Pete Carroll era, it's Earl Thomas and Bruce Irvin as far as like really yeah. good players that yeah. they've got in the first round. If you can get an elite player, if, if you were a bad team, it'd be a different story. But yeah. they're picking at the bottom of the first round, so you always go for the dude who you know can play, just, especially when he's only twenty four years old. L.J. Collier last year, not good, man. He's got to turn around, boys and girls. Thanks for being with us on a Monday afternoon. Have a fantastic rest of your day. We'll be back with you tomorrow. It's 2 Tell Nuanas. It's ESPN Radio. Stay tuned for Sarah Spain next. Get commencement ready at the Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Their grad fair sale is going on right now if you visit msubookstore.org. Free regalia. When you purchase a diploma frame at the MSU Bookstore, you can obviously visit the MSU Bookstore on the Montana State campus. The Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Visit on campus or at msubookstore.org.